This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Cards issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC. Terms and conditions apply. <laughs> They're dogs and they're playing poker! <laughs> Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and today we're gearing up for the big college championship game. Both these teams are winners, and I just hope they both have fun. But today, we'll talk to Romy Neustadt, who has a message for you and these teams. You can have it all, just not at the same damn time. Plus, we'll cover some horror stories in the news about investment account mistakes, throw out the Haven Lifeline to one lucky caller, and, of course... Score a touchdown basket with my amazing trivia. And now, two guys who know their team will get them next year. It's Joe and O-J-J-J-J-G. Well, if uh, my Spartans don't get a quarterback, we are not going to get them next year, next decade, next century. You ain't never getting them. No. We did get the pinstripe pole this year. Won that thing. There's a feather in your cap. Sure. I forgot that they even played. How did those Wolverines do in the second half of their bowl? It was really amazing. That one drive where they got a couple first downs was pretty impactful in the overall outcome of the game. But the rest of it, the other roughly 58 minutes where they didn't get any first downs. And... Um, <laughs> hey, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to... <laughs> Two money nerds talking football, boring the hell out of people. I'm just football nerds talking money. That's, no, I mean, that's a yes. If we want to be correct with the definition, that probably is better. I'm Joe Salci. I average Joe money on Twitter across the card table from me this glorious Monday, 
It's my friend OG. It's a fun day Monday. Welcome back. Halfway through January. Boom. Just like that. Ready to make the donuts today? I don't think you're allowed to have donuts on your diet. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I don't think anybody's allowed to have donuts right now. So you're, you're only two weeks into January. You better not be eating donuts yet. <laughs> Can't mail it in that fast. The bad news is, is when I get to my goal weight, I realize this is the hand I've been dealt. I look at a donut, I gain weight, so I can't do anything about that. You know what I can do, though? I can say a big thanks to Motley Fool for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Motley Fool's Stock Advisor provides two stock recommendations every month. To kickstart your 2020 financial goals, Motley Fool's offering five of their favorite stock picks for free at fool.com forward slash SB. Also, thanks to Lightstream for supporting Stacking Benjamins. Pay off your credit card balances here in the new year, OG. Save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Apply now to get a special interest rate discount. The only way to get a discount is to go through our link, lightstream.com slash SB. I love consolidating debt, chucking the credit card, getting your act together. It's January. Let's grow up, people. It's time. Cause you no know, better time than the roaring 20s. Because you know what I know? I know, based on uh, Romy, who's upstairs, that you can have it all, just not at the same damn time. This woman is going to teach us how, how to actually get where we want to go. Perfect time of year for that discussion. But I want it all. You can have it all. Just not at the now. same damn time. Now. Well, talk to the hand. Tough patooties. <laughs> talk to the hand. <laughs> I know where this is going. We've got a great show. we got Romy Newstat here. Let's uh, get these headlines out of... Oh, we got some horrible headlines. Check these out. Hello, darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines. Our first headline comes to us from MarketWatch. This is written by Bill Bischoff. Never forget to change your beneficiaries. Three horror stories on how it can all go wrong. Did you see this? I've seen many articles like this, but uh, oh. let's let's hear how this one's these ones got fouled up. With today's relatively generous eleven point one eight million dollar federal estate tax million exemption, dollars, estate planning is only concerned for the rich, right? Right. Wrong. Oh, wrong. In fact, regardless of your income or net worth, there's one estate planning move you should probably make right now. Check the beneficiary designations for your life insurance policies, bank accounts, brokerage firm accounts, retirement accounts, and so forth. If you've not yet turned in the proper forms to designate beneficiaries, do it now. If your forms are out of date, refresh them. And I know somebody is on their commute. What does out of date mean? Well, somebody's on their commute right now, OG, and they're like, yeah, that sounds good. I'll do that later. Oh, <laughs> they go through three horror stories that will make you want to do this now. We'll learn what out of date means. Horror story number one, 2012 Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals decision reversed an early district court decision by finding that a pension plan administrator, that a pension plan administrator didn't abuse her discretion in determining that a deceased plan participant's stepsons weren't considered his, quote, children under the terms of the plan. Therefore, the deceased participant's siblings, rather than the stepsons, were entitled to inherit the plan benefits. Okay, so guy's got stepkids. He dies. He's got a pension. $300,000. Pension administrator says, this has got to go to your siblings, these not are, your stepkids. These are not blood relatives. These are stepkids. 
Factually, John Wayne Hunter died October 2005. He'd retired from Marathon Oil Company, where he's a participant in the company pension plan. The plan allowed Hunter to designate a primary and secondary beneficiary. He did the right thing with his primary OG. He designated his wife as the primary beneficiary. Well, I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing, because I don't know this couple. However... For many people out there, designating your spouse as primary beneficiary is great. But here's the problem. He failed to designate any secondary beneficiary, called a contingent beneficiary. You know where this goes. After his wife died, he failed to designate a new primary beneficiary. So now his primary beneficiary is deceased. He has no blood children. He passes away. Plan administrator says, goes to siblings, not to stepkids. And the first court ruling happened because of the fact that it appears that he wanted, he really wanted the money to go to his stepchildren. In his estate, Hunter refers to them as his beloved sons, not stepsons, his beloved sons in his will, gifting other stuff to them. So even though he has a will that shows them getting stuff, The fact that there could be a beneficiary designation and there had in the past been a beneficiary designation on his pension plan and he didn't have one listed there, the plan document supersedes a will. And beneficiary statements or lack thereof trump your intentions. Do you know how many people this applies to that are listening to this show? I bet there's tons of people that don't have a contingent beneficiary on their pension plan. Or, I mean... He does have a contingent beneficiary. The reality is, is that when you don't designate it, you get a contingent beneficiary. You get whatever they decide is the order of operations, which in most states, every state's a little different on how they deal with this. But most states, it says, if you pass away, your stuff goes to your spouse. If you don't have a spouse, it goes to your kids. If you don't have kids, it goes to your parents. If you don't have parents, it goes to your siblings and so on and so forth. That's kind of the hierarchy generally for most states. So, you know, that's that's the beneficiary plan you already have. If you want it to be something different than that, or you have a unique circumstance in there, you have to you have to amend that basically. Yeah. How about this horror story number two? How would you feel if you died and your ex? I would be dead. I would not feel anything. <laughs> you don't feel. Go. <laughs> okay, we're done with this horror story. Not that horrible because I'm dead. How would you feel though if you died and your ex, who you intended to get nothing further after your recent divorce, was allowed to collect? Yeah. Allowed to collect all your company pension benefits and the proceeds from your company provided life insurance. Probably not very good if you wanted your son and daughter from an earlier marriage to get the money. Unfortunately, the dad in this case failed to change the beneficiary designations for his pension benefits and life insurance after the divorce. So his... Sounds like he's failed it twice. He said it's because it says his ex-wife, right? And then kids from a prior marriage. So when when it was his current wife he didn't care about his kids i don't think maybe he, he did as i don't think he has a current wife i think he has two ex-spouses yeah but when she was current she was she was the she, she was, was the, the beneficiary. beneficiary yeah yeah but then no kids so he like literally just kind of turns through wives and like i'll show you oh yeah but then but then but then but forgot then, to change the beneficiary then he doesn't show her yeah. The dad in this case failed to change the beneficiary designation for his pension benefit life insurance after the divorce. So his ex-wife remained the name beneficiary. Two months later, of course, dad was killed in a car crash. The Supreme Court ruled. The Supreme Court 
ruled that the beneficiary designations trump state law that would have automatically disinherited the X. So state law says X would be disinherited. And it totally makes sense that X would be disinherited. Mm -hmm. Yeah, not a spouse anymore. Nope. The dude has a beneficiary designation listed. So there we go. Beneficiary statements. Yes. It doesn't matter if it's what he really wanted or not. It's what he wrote. Uh How many people have that situation? Somebody, the wrong person down. That's Eaglehoff versus Eaglehoff, Supreme Court 2001. But wait, there's more. In yet another real-life case, an ex-wife collected $400,000 from her ex-husband's company savings and investment plan, even though the ex-wife had specifically waived any interest in the plan under the divorce agreement. The divorce agreement says, I give up all my rights to everything. Still got everything. Here's why. Believing the divorce agreement was the last word on the subject, the ex-husband failed to turn in the form required to officially change the plan beneficiary from his ex-wife to his daughter. He died seven years after the divorce. So for lots of opportunities for seven years, he did nothing. The plan document stipulated that beneficiaries could only be changed by submitting the form said right in the plan document, the Supreme court, again, the Supreme court ruled that the hideously out of date beneficiary designation trumped the divorce agreement. So the ex-wife got the 400,000 daughter got zip. That's Kennedy Estate versus Plan Administrator for the DuPont Savings and Investment Plan, 2008. Well, and the thing is, too, is that you can't, first of all, you can't count on the benevolence of the person who got it incorrectly because they're probably not going to be very giving anyway. But even if they wanted to be, just as a matter of like tactical process, it's very difficult to do that. I mean, imagine, so so you're the ex-wife in this situation and you get the 400,000 and you know it's supposed to go to your daughter. So how do you give it to her? I mean, this really was impactful a year ago before they got rid of the stretch things, but you know, that changes the tax implications of it. You know, you've got a beneficiary, now it doesn't matter, but it did then. But still, how do you give somebody $400,000? Now you've got gift tax issues, all sort of like just crazy stuff going on. You have to be in charge of this as the person who has the money and you have to update it and you have to check it. Like, oh, I did that 10 years ago. Well, guess what? They probably lost it. You know, this is a paperwork job. Like it's usually incorrect and then you'll send it in and then they still won't get it. Or like, oh, I sent that in. So you have to check and double check, especially if you have some major event in your life. You know, you have a child you have a child get married, you have, you know, a spouse, you have a former spouse, you have a new spouse, you have a new child, <laughs> you know, maybe in that order, maybe in a different order. Maybe you have a spouse, then a child, the next spouse, then a new spouse, you know, who knows? I hate seeing this stuff because it, it's so preventable. Yeah. Yeah. Don't wait on this stuff. Early in our podcasting career, we interviewed a guy named Adam Baker who had made a documentary about end of life and he interviewed people where death was coming very quickly. And the most remarkable thing that Adam told me in that interview was that nobody dies at the end of the story. And yet we all think we're going to, we think, oh, yeah, yeah. We, we think that we kind of put a bow on it. But when he interviewed people, there was a woman who was going to die in the next 24 hours. And she was worried about who's going to get the mail and, and, and what was going to happen at work the next week. And she's still doing all this stuff for after she's gone, not really, not really embracing the finality of 
this. She's dying in what still her head is convinced is the middle of the story. You got to do it now. Right. Take care of it. Our second headline comes to us from USA Today, written by Jonathan Boat. Do you really need to walk 10,000 steps a day? Experts say there's a better goal. And I would walk 10,000 miles an hour. I don't remember. Is it 10,000? Is it 100,000? I don't remember what he says in them. I would walk 500. Isn't it 500 miles? I don't know. 500 miles, 10,000 miles, 10,000 steps. Whatever. That's a lot of steps. It's all a really long time. I found this interesting, even though ostensibly at first this has nothing to do with financial planning. But wait, it might. Walking 10,000 steps a day is a good baseline to help you stay fit, but it isn't the one-size-fits-all goal you think. What? There's no one-size-fits-all fitness goal? I know. Isn't that surprising? But do you know where it came from? Check this out. Fitness trackers such as Fitbit use the number as a default goal, but fitness experts suggest tailoring a step goal to an individual. <laughs> That's crazy. Researchers trace the origins of the 10,000-step practice to a marketing gimmick from the 1960s and suggested some people don't greatly benefit from walking so much. The piece goes on to talk about how directionally that's right, but there are much better ways to do it. The crazy thing that they say to do here, and I know this is far out, look at your body type. There are plenty of places online that you can figure out how many steps would be right for you and plan around that instead. Or get a coach who knows a lot about how to help you get healthy and monitor all of the ins and outs associated with getting healthy and create a plan. No, 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 no. Here's what I want to do. I want to use rules made for nobody that even the creators say are not good, like a 4% rule looking at you. I want to use that. I want to pigeonhole this stuff in so I can think about my retirement plan for maybe 24 seconds. That's, that's probably a better way to go. Only if we spend an hour researching the best credit card reward point system that combines with our high yield savings account. And writing about it incessantly. Or spending spending as much time as possible worrying about the fact that I'm 51 years old and I don't have 49% of my money in bonds. Yes, you should do that. that. 50, isn't my age, my stock bond allocation, isn't that another it's, total... It's a, it's a perfect one. It works for exactly nobody. <laughs> it just, it's just, <sighs> it's, it's crazy. Even the 10,000 step rule was a marketing gimmick in the 60s and it lives on. I never knew that. I was like, oh yeah, 10,000 steps. It's a good baseline. It's nothing. It's, it, is not, it, was, it was made to sell a tracking system in Japan. I think I should watch 10,000 minutes of Netflix every day. What, just a, what if I think I should eat 10,000 donuts? 10,000 donuts. <laughs> What's this 2,000 calorie B, BS? <laughs> I could do 2,000 calories in 10 minutes. Watch yeah. this. More. More. Do you think we made our point? I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, what movie was that from? Like, hmm, I'm smelling a little sarcasm. <laughs> oh, that's good. I'm laying it on pretty thick. Oh, Tommy <laughs> Boy. It's from Tommy Boy. <laughs> Oh, before we get to the actual takeaways, another myth is that you should just buy the investments that the person next to you buys. I mean, how often do you had somebody come into your office, OG, and you ask them, why did you buy that stock? And they're, 
and they tell you, well, this guy that I work with said it was a good thing, or I read about it in this deal and I just went and bought some. No research, no idea how I bought it, no idea why I bought it, how it fits in my portfolio, just seemed pretty good. And I was fairly sure the company was going to go up. Whether it's for your sandbox. Because Bill from accounting said it would be great. (laughs) Whether it's for your sandbox or you're an individual stock investor, got to say thanks to Motley Fool for supporting Stacky Benjamins. Motley Fool's stock advisor provides two stock recommendations every month. You know what I like better about the stock recommendations? They talk you through what's good about these companies so that you can make better decisions on your own later. You can actually know what you're doing. If you've ever wondered how to invest or you've struggled to understand how to make your money work for you, The Motley Fool is there. The Motley Fool provides advice and guidance that cuts through the noise of standard business sections and websites and provides you with simple, easy-to-use analysis to help you understand the market. Motley Fool was uh, started by two brothers who we've seen a lot in the media. It's one of the few people we haven't had on the show. It'd be fun to get the gardeners on the show. Of course, uh, Tom and David started the Motley Fool out of their garage in Alexandria, Virginia. Both are still with the company. Tom's the CEO. David's the lead stock analyst and a board member. The Motley Fool's flagship service stock advisor provides two stock recommendations every month with daily analysis and coverage designated to help you beat the market. Now, even though even though I just read that, what I like even better, OG, is the fact that you will understand what's going on in the market and how it affects your stock. That's what I want to know. The more information I have, the more I know how this stuff works, the better I'm going to make decisions in the future. Motley Fools become well-known analysts, identifying the leaders and trends before they become everyday aspects of life. They recommended Amazon in 1997, Netflix in 2004, and Marvel, of course, now Walt Disney in 2004. To kickstart your 2020, your roaring 20s financial goals, Motley Fools offering five of their favorite stock picks for free to stackers. Go to fool.com forward slash SB. That's fool.com forward slash SB. I think our takeaways, number one, rules of thumb, probably not a great idea. I mean, how much time do you think people are going to spend planning their retirement? And you and I have said, OG, it's not that hard. It isn't, it isn't that hard to do it the right way. Why do we insist on using these rules of thumb that are irrelevant when you don't have to spend that much time doing it right? I think that it comes down to the myth that it's super complicated. Or you don't think you're going to like what you find out. The good news about financial planning is that so much of it is math. If you want to have no variability in your investment portfolio, if you're like, I don't, I don't want to ever have a down day, you can do that. You got to put all your money in the mattress. The upside is that you never have to worry about losing any money. The downside is that you have to accumulate all the money you could ever possibly need before you stop accumulating money. So you can't take advantage of compounding. But that's the way that you want to do it. It's math. But the problem is, is that when you sit down and figure this stuff out, sometimes you have to make some tough choices. And sometimes those tough choices are, well, we got to move. Or, you know, I need to pick up a second job. Or I got to stop spending money like an idiot on my credit cards. And when you kind of face that man in the mirror, so to speak, to borrow a phrase from good old Michael Jackson... You know, it's uh, sometimes sometimes you don't like what you see. 
think uh, that's our first takeaway. Second takeaway, those beneficiary designations you've been waiting on. I, I think uh, if, if you're going to, you know what we should do? We should petition all the states to put us like fourth on the list. Like it's like, you know, spouse, kids, parents, Joe oh. and OG. And then at least people won't feel so bad when they read the stories. Collect all the half cents. That's just like office space. Yep. Brilliant. Romy Neustadt's not just a best-selling author. She is an entrepreneur who built this amazingly successful business. She was a lawyer and a PR exec and turned her billable hour career into a life where she gets to call the shots. But you know that the more freedom you get, the more you become a product of your surroundings. So while it seemed like Romy at one point had it all, she really didn't. She turned it around, though. It has an incredible story of how she checked out and rebooted and decided, you know what? I can't have it all. Just not at the same damn time. Romy Neustadt coming down to the basement. On our way down to the basement, let's say hello to Romy Neustadt. How are you? Hi there. I am so good and so happy to be with you. Well, I'm happy that you're here too, especially at the beginning of the year, Romy, because as you know, probably more than a lot of people, being what you refer to yourself as in the book, a very type A personality, goal-driven person, this is probably a big time of year for you. What do you do here at the beginning of not just a new year, but a new decade? Oh, it's such an exciting time. I always love the beginning of a year because it's new possibilities, a clean slate. We get to rebirth ourselves. Um, and, and we got an extra whammy this year because it's the start of a new decade of what I've been doing for the last seven years now is taking myself and this really large organization I have the privilege of working with through a process that teaches us what to focus on and provides a roadmap of where to spend our time for the coming year so that we make the most of the next year. I want to ask you about that because you go over the genesis in the book of how you began this whole process. But let's start off with, you have a character that you introduced right at the beginning of your book named Jane. And I think to some degree, we're all Jane, Romy. Tell me about Jane. Yes, we are all Jane. I have been Jane. So Jane is every person who wakes up, opens her eyes and already feels like she is trying to play catch up, like like the boulder coming at Indiana Jones. She's trying to get herself out of bed, get herself put together before she has to get the kids up and feed them and make sure they have all their stuff to get them to school. And then she's got to make sure she has everything for her day, including maybe even a workout bag for that workout that she really would love to fit in, but not quite sure if she's going to make it. And then on the way to work, she's going through her to-do list in her head and then wondering, what the hell am I going to feed people for dinner? And by the time she gets to lunch, if she's even taking a lunch break, her mind is racing and exhausted and she feels like junk drawer on a trampoline. It's all, by the way, which I think is an incredible analogy because I know the junk drawer in my kitchen and uh, put that baby on a trampoline. It's not, it's not pretty. No, it's not pretty at all. And it really does 
zap our energy and make us emotional basket cases. Well, and it's mostly, and you point this out, it's, it's all reactionary. You begin your day without a plan. Instead, you're just reacting to the events of the day, the week, your family, everything that's coming up. No time for pre-planning. So it's really about us trying to figure out how to run our lives instead of our lives running us. And I have to admit to you, I fell into the trap of feeling like I was drowning and like my life was running me and I had to figure out a way to fix it. When you first had the genesis of this idea that you can have everything, I believe it came from, correct me if I'm wrong, you were watching Oprah Winfrey and Oprah said you can't. Is that right? So this was years ago, even before I had a huge career and it popped out a couple of kids. I remember watching Oprah on her show and she was talking with a woman. I don't even remember who the woman was, but I remember so vividly Oprah saying, you can't have everything. There are three things, career, relationship, family, kids. And I believe Oprah said, you can only have two of those three things. And she said, you know, that's why I'm able to do what I do. I don't have children. And I sat there and thought, wait a minute. I love you, Oprah. You are the queen. I love everything you say. But this, this right here, that can't be true. Because I do want all those things. And even back then, I knew that I had to figure out a way that I could make it all happen. And and what's really important to understand is that in our quest to have everything, we have to be crystal clear on what each of our everything, our all looks like. Because yours is going to be different than mine. It's funny because in financial planning, we often start off with goal setting. But as I'm reading through the book, goal setting is kind of the it's the end of the journey, not the beginning. And you spoke earlier about taking all the people that work with you on this journey. Yours started off, you went to your husband and you said, I need a break from you. I need a break from the kids. I need a break from everybody. You kind of ran away, which by the way, was funny. You ran away to Las Vegas. I, I did, right? Who the hell runs away to Las Vegas to have some peace and quiet? But the truth of the matter was, it's a quick flight from where I live in San Diego. And I picked a hotel that was not in the middle of the strip with everything. It was lovely. It was quiet. I had this fast growing business, these fast growing kids, a marriage that needed, you know, nurturing. I needed nurturing. I had this whole host of responsibilities and exponentially growing to-do list. And I was having a minor breakdown. So yeah, I said to John, honey, I got to run away from home for a few days and figure out how to recalibrate my life. What was this? You don't talk about this in the book, but I'm just wondering to dive into that particular discussion. What was his initial reaction when you said that? This may not surprise you, but my husband wholeheartedly agreed with me that I was having a minor breakdown. Mm. I mean, when you live that intimately and close with he could someone see it. else, they, they can see it. Yeah. And, and I, I live with an incredibly supportive, in-tune physician, husband, and, and he had been gently nudging me and suggesting things to me. But we all know until we're ready to acknowledge something and ready to make changes, we're not going to do it. So when I came to him, he was relieved. He said, oh, sweetheart, you go and do whatever you have to do. I'm so proud of you for having this epiphany. 
It's funny though, you go to Vegas and I'm thinking as I'm reading this, Romy, I'm thinking you could have been at the Holiday Inn Express down the street, like in the next suburb. It didn't matter. That's exactly it. And what I want everybody listening to understand, I'm not suggesting you have to get on a plane (laughs) and go somewhere. Yes, I could have gone to the Holiday Inn, but I had some miles and I had some points. And so I got the hell out of Dodge. But you can even just get a sitter and block out your bedroom for a day. That's a gift of peace and quiet and introspection and going through my process that will pay you exponential returns over the next year. So I I imagine now you're in this hotel room, you're in Vegas, and to some degree, you know, we all internalize this and I'm thinking, okay, this is me. I would, I would sit there at first and go, what the hell am I doing here? What's, what, what's, what's going to happen next? What was the first thing that you did when you got to the hotel room then? When I got to the hotel room, I unpacked, threw on one of those big fluffy robes, threw my hair up and that's what I do too, by the way, just not to cut you off. I'd throw my hair up. I got to tell you that you, (laughs) you really can put your hair up. Yeah. Yes. But, but it looks good on you. My husband has a similar hairstyle and I think it's sexy. So I spread out books. I had brought my laptop, a journal, and I just allowed myself to start searching and reading and just getting quiet. And I got to tell you, I couldn't remember the last time I afforded myself that gift. And I started searching about things and it was in December. So this, you know, all these things about what's your New Year's resolution going to be? And, you know, I know resolutions don't work. We all know that. We've seen the data. They're failed promises by February. But I happened upon this concept of the one word. And this was long before it was a thing with segments on the Today Show or the cute little bracelets. But there was something about this idea of declaring a word that could be your mantra, your guidepost for what the coming year could bring. Yeah. And so I picked the word balance. And that was what I was longing for. And what's and funny is it started it. Well, and just different people you've coached and people you talk about in the book everybody listening to this, I think thinks, well, the word is obvious, but something I think that you saw and that I saw when I was a financial planner, you bring up stuff like this, Romy, and it's obvious to you, but it's different for everybody. Absolutely. And some of the words that people come up with, and in fact, I'm I'm taking my organization through it, you know, now, and it's just astounding what is so important and on their hearts, what they're yearning for. And it can be anything. So then we come up with the word. So now I have the word. And by the way, before I get to this question, I've got another thing I want to point out that you point out very succinctly. If everybody listening starts going through Romy's process here, the first thing you point out is that your brain's going to start poo-pooing it. Your brain's going to tell you it's stupid. And I love that because mine totally does. I mean, immediately I'm like, oh yeah, this is all. And and you got to tell it to shut up. Look, I'm a former lawyer. My brain is wired to argue against whatever I'm trying to do, okay? But we have to just acknowledge that the naysaying voices in our head that have been planted there either because of external experiences or just because we're human beings, 
we need to acknowledge them and say, okay, yeah, I get what that is, but you go sit over there because I got some work to do. Right. <laughs> and just turn it off. So now I have my word. What do I do next? Okay. So even back then, as a neophyte to this entire endeavor, it dawned on me that one word alone, although it's empowering and it would probably make some really cool social media posts, it wasn't going to be enough to dramatically transform my life. So I kept reading some more and had quiet and journaling. And that's when the biggest epiphany hit me. So at the time I was 42, not once in my entire life had I ever taken the time to figure out what my priorities were at any one time, not once. And in fact, I had always confused goals with priorities. I'm a goal-oriented person. My whole life, I would set goals and I would slam. And I thought goals were the same as what your priorities are, but they're not. And once I figured out the difference, that's when I came up with this process. I love this because I, you know, at this time of year, especially, but even once again, back to financial planning, you'll hear financial planners and they meet with people for the first time say, let's start off with your goals. And even in my career, I saw people go into panic mode, but if you start with the word and then you go into what are my priorities and then goals, it makes the process easier, Romy. It really does. And what's imperative is that everyone understands the difference. Okay. So Our priorities are the things that are so important to us right now in our lives, in the present tense. Not serving them is simply non-negotiable. So that's a priority. So for example, this year and, and pretty much every year, one of my priorities is I make healthy choices every day. Non-negotiable, because if I'm not doing that, everything else goes to pot. I know it. Okay. Now goals are something different. Goals are things we're working toward in the future. They haven't yet happened yet, but they are important enough to us that we're willing to invest the time, effort, and energy required to get there. All right. So it's important to understand the difference between the two. Now let's, let's make sure you understand the relationship. If your goals don't serve your priorities, The things that you say you want to work toward aren't actually serving what you say is non-negotiable, so important in your life right now. That's when you feel scattered, unfulfilled. That's when you fill up your days with things that aren't getting you where you really want to be in life. And that's what I had been doing. That's why I was having a breakdown in Vegas in the hotel room. That's why Jane at the beginning of the book feels reactive because she doesn't know where her priorities are. She's working on everybody else's priorities. That's exactly it. We as a species, and I work with tens upon thousands of women, women are very guilty of this. We are living according to unrealistic expectations. Yeah. We're trying to be all things to all people, please everybody, look perfect while we're doing it all. And it's leaving us stressed and exhausted and feeling inadequate and not getting to the stuff that we really want to do. We just barely touched on the journey you take people on. I want to bring up one last concept though, because I got so fired up when I read this 
because I don't think enough people do this. You talk about valuing your time. And obviously as a money geek, Romy, this was something that made me go, too many people spend too much time on stuff that's so irrelevant. So walk me through that just a little bit here. So I knew that I had to relentlessly edit my life, take out all the things that I shouldn't be doing or should be delegating to other people, deleting entirely all of that. But what happens for most of us, it certainly was a case for me, trying to decide what to delete or delegate is a rather emotional decision. And I wanted to take the emotion out of it. So I, I wanted to value my time in a way that would give me mathematical proof that it simply didn't make sense for me to keep doing this stuff. So I, I went back to my two careers before I was an entrepreneur as a lawyer and then a PR exec. I, my life was ruled by the billable hour. So I thought, what if I could figure out what my time was worth per hour? Like and billing yourself out to the task. Billing myself out to the task. And then I could determine whether or not it made mathematical, financial sense to pay somebody else to do something because it was a hell of a lot less than my hourly worth, or it was a colossal waste of time to keep doing some things because it was like flushing money down the toilet. It's so amazing because you see people that, I don't know, they seem to never get anywhere because they spend their time dealing with $5 tasks instead of $1,000 tasks. Absolutely. And when I first did this calculation, I came up with on myself and figured out my time was worth $962 an hour. You better believe that that 30-minute phone call that I was spending on someone that didn't really want me to help them, but just wanted to sit there and bitch about things, uh, I stopped doing it. Yeah. That's a lot of money to waste. I had a mentor talk to me a long time ago about avoiding clusters of misery. And that was one of the first things I thought about when you said that. Like, I don't have time for the, no, I don't have time for this. And it also humbles me a little bit, Romy, because you just spent 20 minutes upstairs talking to mom. So that shows how valuable mom is too. So thank you exactly, for that. Exactly. Exactly. And it was time well spent. <laughs> the book is called You Can Have It All, Just Not at the Same Damn Time. The book is available tomorrow everywhere, I assume, Romy, correct? It's available everywhere. Amazon, other major retailers, your independent bookstores. And we'll also have a link to your website, RomyNewstat.com as well. If you're on the commute or walking the dog, we've got you covered. Just head to our show notes page at StackyBenjamins.com. Romy, Happy New Year and thanks a ton for spending a few minutes with us. Happy New Year. And I love what you're putting out in the world. Keep doing it. Thanks for showing up. Hey there, money-loving college football fans, and to be fair, non-fans. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to my trivia. With the Clemson-LSU game happening tonight, the basement is in a slightly higher frenzied state. Joe's freaking out because I accidentally bought a sliced cheddar cheese instead of his normal Hormel party cheeses. OG is demanding air fresheners for the basement before the game starts, and Joe's mom says she has today reserved for her book club, so it's crazy. With all that going on, I decided to lighten things up a little bit with some football-related trivia cards at the snacks table. Know what I mean? So far, I only have two questions. Check it out. 
Do you know that LSU head coach Ed Ogeron stands to win $1.7 million in incentive money if LSU wins the game tonight? But that's not just water cooler talk. Let's get to the hard-hitting trivia question people know and love they're going to get from good old neighbor Doug. Here it is. Which NCAA football team holds claim to winning more games than any other? I'll be back with your answer and maybe some fine sliced cheeses after this break. Well, it's that time of year, OG, with the holidays over and a brand new year. If you're thinking about all that high interest credit card debt that you accumulated, whoops, that's used over the holidays and the bills that are going to be coming, here's an idea to ease your mind. Pay off your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from Lightstream. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans have rates as low as 5.95 APR with auto pay. You can roll over multiple credit card payments into just one payment at a lower fixed rate. And here's what you do when you do that, guys. Do what I did because I did this initially when I had problems way back in the day, and I've talked a lot about my old credit card problem. You can do a credit card consolidation and then go and spend more money on your credit card, or you can make sure you solve the problem. Number one, cut up the credit card, get rid of that as an option altogether. Burn the ships, as they say. Then consolidate your credit card debt with Lightstream, You can roll over multiple credit cards into just one payment. Then you'll have a much lower fixed rate, way lower, by the way, than the national average interest rate, which is over 20% APR. Plus, there's absolutely no fees, no application fee, no origination fee, no transaction fee, no prepayment penalty. Application is so quick and easy. You can apply right from your phone. That's one of the many reasons why we like this. Lightstream believes that people with good credit deserve a better loan experience, and that's exactly what they deliver. So just for stackers, you can apply now, and you'll get a special interest rate discount. I was really thrilled they did this for us. The only way to get the discount, go to lightstream.com, but you got to put in slash SB. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com, then slash SB. SB subject to credit approval rate includes a half percent auto pay discount terms conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice visit lightstream.com slash SB for more information welcome back party people I'm Joe's mom's neighbor Doug and you're listening to my trivia but you knew that you've been waiting for this We've managed to strike a deal with Joe's mom, and we agreed to split our party food with her if she keeps those crazy gals from the book club upstairs while the game is on. But, and I never want to hear from anyone that I'm not a reasonable man, I let Joe's mom know that anyone who can answer my trivia question can come down and hang with the cool kids while the game is on. Uh, Here was a question. Uh, Okay, here it was. Which NCAA football team holds claim to having more wins than any other team? If you're thinking University of Mary Harden Baylor, you're close? I'm not even sure that. I don't know. I don't know. While the school has the highest winning percentage at 73%, go Crusaders! OG will be thrilled to hear that the team with the highest number of wins overall is none other than 
the University of Michigan Wolverines. Hail to the victors. Yeah, right. I just did that for Joe. He hates that song so much. That's great news for Joe, isn't it? He'll be happy about that. Speak of the devil, I think I hear Joe coming down those old wooden creaky stairs right now with those fine cheeses he couldn't stop raving about, which means it's time for me to go. See ya. Yeah, I always get excited when I hear any statistic about University of Michigan sports. Just thrilling. But Mary Harden Baylor, how about that win percentage? Yeah, right down the street from me. They're pretty good. Yeah, good, good school. Our uh, producer, Richie, Richie's mom, went to Mary Harden Baylor. The crew. Go Crusaders. Hey, let's throw out the Haven Lifeline OG and tackle some of life's most important questions. Our fr- it's funny. We talked about life insurance beneficiaries. Let's just talk about life insurance for a second. Our friends at Haven Life Insurance Agency, they put what you value first, your loved ones, and your time. So funny how this, this all kind of comes together in the Haven Lifeline segment. We talk about beneficiary designations. We talked to Romy about being in control of your time. Don't spend a lot of time on your life insurance. That's why they made buying quality term life insurance actually simple. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. I also love, we talked about tools earlier and not using rules of thumb. One of the most egregious places people use rules of thumb is in choosing how much insurance they need. Very easy to calculate a good number. What I like about Haven Life's tool is that they give you a range and they explain how the range works. Just head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life to get there. Simple application, instant coverage decision, all policies issued by Mass Mutual, more than 160-year-old insurer. Today, we're going to throw out the lifeline to Richard. Say hi, Richard. Hey, Joe and OG. My name is Richard, and I have a question about sticking to your budget. A lot of my friends have birthdays coming up in these next couple months, you know, January and February. And while we're not largely big on getting gifts, we do like going out to happy hour to celebrate. So my question is this, with um, birthdays being pretty much back to back every every week, it's more than I usually go out and it's certainly more than I normally expect, more than my budget expects. So what's the answer here? Do I just turn these events down and just, you know, wish them a nice happy birthday until I can't make it or what's the decision here? Thanks for the question, Richard going out for drinks. OG. Here's what I do. Bring OG along, give him a couple. And then next thing you know, he buys for everybody. He's like, what's up? It's all on me. Sound stacking measurements. It's, it's fantastic. This is, this is difficult. I mean, a lot of people face this. I remember back in the day when I was in college and Richard sounds like a younger guy. I remember in college going out with my friends and I've got zero dollars. And, uh, I remember sitting there and the waitress comes around. I'm like, yeah, you don't have a water. I'm going to kind of think about uh, what I'm going to have. And, and then I would think about it and think about it until we left. And, uh, and have nothing. Not only that, uh, talking about being healthy, I'm not entirely sure that your body can tolerate going out, you know, time and time and time and time again. Back then? Know? But, uh, well, back then you were like an Adonis, I'm sure. And could just, back the- just do keg stands until you, till the sun came up. I have an idea that I think might help this. Why not 
have everybody get together and why don't you have one celebration a month for everybody for that month? Oh, that's interesting. So instead of going out on the 13th, the weekend of the 13th, because it's Billy's birthday and the weekend of the 20th, because it's Johnny's birthday and the weekend of the 27th, because it's Sally's birthday and, you know, February 8th, because it's Joe's birthday. (laughs) Close. Why not just say, you know, the first weekend of every month, we all get together and the people whose birthday it is that month get to decide where, you know, and if you've got a group of friends, you know, you might have some months on and some months off, but it shouldn't interrupt that much, especially if you're used to, you know, maybe going out once, you just kind of throw it all together in, in one, one little shindig. I know a lot of people who do that. Uh, Cheryl does that. Cheryl and her mm-hmm. friends once a month, they yeah. all get together and, and it's a great time getting together and they also celebrate everybody's birthday at one time. Yeah. Whoever was that month. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. I like that. I also like changing it from happy hours out to at somebody's home. I like this advice from a great book called Never Eat Alone, where you have potluck stuff and sure you're expected then to bring something, but then you end up with meals for everybody and drinks for everybody and you bring a lot less and generally spend a lot less money than you would at drinks and appetizers out somewhere. Uh, Yeah, especially if you can tie it to something else, right? Like, so you've got college championship games tonight. Hey, we're going to meet at Bill's house. We're going to celebrate his birthday. Everybody bring something and we're going to watch the game. Done. Yeah, or done. the Super Bowl is coming in February or March Madness is in March or, you know, I don't know. Is there anything in April? Probably not. But all you April people, you're screwed. April Fool's Day. Yeah. April April Fool's Day is the day you tell everybody to get together and then you don't show. Yeah. And it's or perfect. you show up without anything. I'm trying. Yeah. yeah. A- <laughs> April Fool's, you're, you're buying. Isn't that a funny joke? But no, seriously, you're buying. Get alligator arms when the bill comes. <laughs> Thanks for the little Trinosaurus Rex arms. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Thanks for the question, Richard. If you've got, see how easy that was? Very, very simple, straightforward question. Love it. Head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash voicemail and uh, we can help you save some money on going out. You're welcome. But I still like Speaking the, of voicemails. I still like the invite OG along better. Speaking of voicemails, I was going to say, speaking of voicemails, I did a uh, thing on Facebook. I was stuck on a plane for a few minutes and there are a couple people in there who said, Hey, uh, I don't want to waste my question here. I'm going to, you know, I want to, I want to get a free t-shirt out of this deal. So it's time to belly up to the bar and get your (laughs) t-shirt on. It is time. So that's going to do it for today. Big thanks to everybody who has left a review of this here podcast. Mom's got this one on the fridge upstairs right now. OG. Five stars from Amy Abroad. I laugh, I cry, I learn is the title. I laugh at the snark and silliness. I cry about all my financial mistakes. I learned despite Joe and OG's best efforts. SP Podcast is a delightful side of candied marshmallow yams. Ugh. Do you like candied marshmallow yams? I like none of those things together (laughs) and most of those things I don't like separately should not mix should not mix those with us right there. Uh, delightful side of candy, marshmallow yams and a heavy diet of financial meat and potatoes. Bon appetit. Fantastic. Uh, Meat and potatoes are all right. That is good. But I think she's describing everybody else there. Not us, but we'll take it. 
Thanks to Amy. Also, if you're looking for better financial help in your corner, OG's got the doors open uh, for now. So head to stackybenjamins.com forward slash OG to learn more about how he and his team can help you do better with your money in the roaring 20s. That's going to do it. All right, Doug, you've got it from here. What should we have learned today? Yep, Joe, I'll tell everybody what they should have learned first. Keep Romy's advice in mind when you're setting goals for yourself. If you want something in life, make a plan and go for it. But don't necessarily expect to have it all at the same time. Second, take a lesson from our headlines. Change your beneficiaries, people. Not after the Netflix episode. Not after your shower. Do it now. But the big lesson, never try to win a competition with a book club by outsmarting them. Not only have these ladies taken over the basement, they're demolishing the wine and cheese. Don't they know you're supposed to savor fine cheese? Savor it, ladies! This is Velveeta we're talking about here. Velveeta! Special thanks to Romy Neustadt for making a stop by the basement. You can find more from Romy at her aptly named site, RomyNewstat.com, or through our show notes page at StackingBenjamins.com. It never changes. It's always the same. This show is created by Joe Saul produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and I'm a lot deeper than you realize. In fact, sometimes I just stand in front of my mirror and reflect. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remunerations. That's a big word. There's no way you take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only. And before making any financial decisions, consult with a real financial advisor. LSU by 20 tonight? Seems like it. Yeah. I think LSU is pretty unstoppable. <clears throat> no, no. Yeah, I mean, Clemson's good, but we'll see. Yeah. No offense, Clemson. Or as, because uh, I went to school in South Carolina for a little while. It's not Clemson. It's Clemson. I know. There's, a, said. there's a P in there. I know. Just well. But uh, not really. But they don't really you. play anybody. So they don't. who's their schedule? It's, it's, it's not wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. ACC is terrible. They had to beat uh, Wake Forest, which is yeah. the same the team road. that Michigan State uh, had to beat. 
I think Michigan State proved that they're probably a fantastic team by beating Wake Forest, the same team <laughs> that a team in the national championship beat. So I was doing this uh, thing on Facebook. Uh, I got a number of questions about uh, the logo that we have about the bag. And people are like, hey, so what's the deal with that? And I feel like we've answered this seven times already because we have. Well, there's always but, new people. There's always but new, there's people. new people. There's new people. And I have to remember that because I was a little snippy. I'm like, are you kidding me? Is this a joke? We've talked about it. And I said, what are you new? And the woman who asked the question was like, as a matter of fact, yes. <laughs> Very new. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so uh, probably, you know, I guess maybe we should just do this every year, you know, just to tell everybody how it goes. So when we started Stacking Benjamins. Most of our show is inside jokes of us entertaining oh gosh, yeah. ourselves. That's the sole purpose of it. Yes. Is to make us laugh. Yes. Us, you and me. Yes. That's all we try to do in its entirety. Back when I lived in Texas, the reason we did it from the show from my mom's half-finished basement was because of the fact that there are no basements in that part of Texas at all. And we thought it was kind of funny. We also thought it was funny that we'd have a certified financial planner on the show who would be, quote, anonymous, even though anybody who knows how this stuff works, very easy to find out OG's real identity. You can just click through. But but we thought that- Well, now, yeah. But we thought that you'd be able to talk very bluntly. We also didn't think the show was going to go anywhere. So we, we thought it'd be just the two of us and you could just talk bluntly and not have to worry about this bear called compliance. And it was pretty funny. So we're like, what are we going to call you? What are we going to call you? And we thought about it and we said, well, it'll just be Joe and the other guy. And of course the other guy yeah, is turns into uh OG <clears throat> original gangster. I mean, when we set out for the show, it was specifically designed so that we could just preach the good news, you know, just here's how it is. It is what it is. And yeah, years ago, this was part of the restriction was from a compliance standpoint, when the government gets involved on, you know, what you can and cannot say, you can imagine it just adds a ton of production issues, right? We're very contemporaneous. We are very much like, here's what's in the news. We record, you know, we edit it, we put it on the show. And when we came up with the structure, when you came up with the structure, you know, one of the things that, uh, and I even floated this at the time to the compliance people and they said, well, yeah, sure. No problem. We just need to get it approved in advance. We just need the script. Every like, single episode. Like, well, I don't do a script. Well, then you need to give us a script. And we're like, well, you know, you got to remember this is almost a decade ago now. So there wasn't like this automatic transcription service thing back then. And then they're like, well, if you say something we don't like, you have to take it out. It's like, well, how do you take it out? Well, we've already said it. And oh, by the way, it's going to take about three to four weeks for every episode for us to approve it. How often do you want to do these? <laughs> it's like three times a week. Like, oh, you'll never be able to do it. You know, so part of it was a little CYA at the time. And to be fair, I think that we, you know, we thought it was a little bit funny for us. But yeah, we didn't know what it was going to turn into. And and we we really were certain we never wanted it to turn into, I mean, this was my perspective on it anyway. I never wanted it to be a big marketing pitch for my planning business. No, it's just uh, two nerds to sit around and talk about headlines I, yeah. and interview people we like to talk to. 
Cause I think that there's an angle there. Sometimes, you know, you can kind of see like the guy who sells the annuities, everything's an annuity sales and you can say, Oh, well, that's the reason he doesn't like this or whatever. And uh, just, we just preach the good news. It just is what it is, right? We're pretty simple. We have and, had, uh, we have had people, I mean, and, and I know you won't say this, so I'll say it. We've had, you've been approached a lot of times by marketing people who say that your, our little tiny thing for your service at the end of the show is too subtle and you should lay that on oh, thicker. Yeah. And time and yeah. time again, you've said, not going to do it. Nope. Yeah. Nope. Not, yeah. not our deal. Not, not our thing. And really, <clears throat> this is how I remember it anyway, because it's been about three years now, but it took us about a year from the time, and, and you remember, I, I didn't have an email address for the show. There was no way to get in touch with OG. There was no linkage. Now it's pretty easy. I mean, yeah. I'm not hiding. You can, it's, sure. it's now a character, character actually, you know, so you can figure it out pretty quickly. I mean, pictures of my kids on the internet, it's not hard. But at the time, there wasn't that. There wasn't that link. And I remember I remember where I was. I was walking in Chicago, and you called me, and you said, hey, I got an email from, this is kind of an interesting email. I got an email from this person, blah, 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 blah. They want to be introduced to you. And I'm like, yeah, no. Like, that's not what we're doing. And like dropped it just like that. And then about six months later, you called and said, we we're talking. And you said, hey, I got another email. I said, no, it's not what we're doing. And then that, you know, that tempo started increasing where, you know, got to the point where you were telling me about an email that you had gotten, you know, once a month or once a week or whatever of like, hey, I've been listening to the show. How do I get in touch with this OG fella? And it took us the better part of a year, I think, to be okay with that from the time we started talking about it. Yeah. And then said, okay, fine, here's what we're going to do. But it's got to be really short. It's got to be non-existent. Like this is not a big, you know, a big selling piece. And I, and I've felt, I still feel pretty weird about it to be honest with you. But then we flipped it on this, uh, Labor Day episode three years ago because nobody listens to it. <laughs> and, uh, it's crazy, you know, and, 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 you know, this is the thing I can tell that it's very subtle still because I ask people all the time when I talk to them, I'll say, how long have you listened to the show for? And sometimes, you know, they're relatively new. And sometimes they say, oh, I've been listening for like a year and a half. I've been listening for two years. And they'll say, and I'm so happy that you finally decided to take clients from the show. And I'm thinking, okay, cool. That means that we're doing it right. Because that person has, hasn't heard it in 52 weeks. And we've said it every, every show basically for, yeah. for a year. At least, at least two shows of the three shows a week. We said, yeah. 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 So anyways, how the bag thing started, this is all, this is like a big setup. So how this bag thing started. So we were in Portland and we were taking some professional pictures and I'm using air quotes, but they were professional pictures. We hired a photographer because uh, you were starting to do a little bit more media and you, you know, you can't just take a picture with your iPhone, like a selfie and like, this is Joe. Right. And so we were doing the team pictures and it was you and me and we were screwing around and all this sort of stuff. There's so many of those pictures, by the way. That will that, never see the light of day. <laughs> that are a little, a little weird. But um, <laughs> you remember the strawberry one? The strawberries. <laughs> and, 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 and Kathleen, our former partner, put those on the internet for like four seconds. And you and I both yeah. are like, take those down. Like, no, 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 no. Take them down, take them down, take them down, take them down. Yeah. But anyway, so the photographer... She's got, you know, she got her all her stuff in a you know, Whole Foods bag or whatever. And I have this brilliant idea. I go, hey, we should take like pictures of me like putting this bag in my head. Like it's Joe and this dude with the bag. Ha ha ha. And I'm figuring, that, you know, what's the? I have no idea what the use of these pictures are for, right? Because I'm not in that strategic team meeting apparently. But anyways, uh, we get done with them, and it's a big joke, and we just had a good time, and so be it. Whatever it was, a week later, you slapped the Stacking Benjamins name on it and put it as the cover art for the show, and it's stuck ever since. 
And I'm like, son of a biscuit, man, you got to be really be careful. <laughs> I'm like, what you decide to what you decide to put out on the internet because uh, it's what it is now. In fact, a year ago, you may remember this too, Joe. At the beginning of 19, we kind of said for about three or four weeks, we put in the show. We're like, well, maybe this is the year the bag goes away. And it was a resounding, you better not do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's part of the part not, of the thing. Not 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 going. And we just took 25 minutes to explain that. And it takes me 25 minutes to explain that every single time that somebody asks me this. Because people ask, like, what do you do? And I tell them and I talk about the podcast and stuff. And they're like, oh, cool, podcast. And they look it up and they go, so are you, that's a, so are you the one with the bag? Oh, yeah, that's me. Bag <laughs> in my head. And every marketing person, like you said, we know some of the same people in the marketing space. And every single person's like, you are a complete idiot. And I'm like, yeah, I know. They're like, you have to drop the moniker. You have to get your smiling pretty picture out there. You've got to rebrand this whole thing. And uh, yeah. And and the second you do all that stuff, you and I already know what happens. Just just, Well, I start dwarfing you in terms of (laughs) personality and appearance. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, well, I could have that old dude or I can have that good looking young guy on the news. Yes. You know, I take the good looking young guy. How do I get him? It's true. Well, Romy said, I've got a great head of hair. You heard her. Yeah. I think she was being facetious. I think she, I think she might have been. Just a skosh. Slightly. So yeah. a little origin story there. A series. We can call that a series of unfortunate events created. Where Your we, hair loss? Created where we are today in general. Oh. Just well, completely yeah. created where we are today. Yeah. The, yeah. Bag, the bag over the head. The, uh, the whole damn thing. But you know what's funny about that, though? And it does line up really nicely with the story. Because if you if you are going through, thumbing through the tiles on iTunes, you know, trying to figure out what podcast to listen to, and you're like, wow, this one looks really important and serious. And it's a picture of a person in like a cartoony font. It's a Stacking Benjamins with a guy with a bag on his head. Right. It doesn't really scream 30th floor executive suite wood paneling. You know what I mean? It's not real stuffy. And if you miss that little hint at the very beginning, we kind of give you another one when we play some really off the wall music. And then there's Doug. And then there's, you know, you're like, wow, this sounds like the Tonight Show. Correct. Does the Tonight Show strike you as this hard hitting factual? (laughs) Or is it maybe just a little about like entertainment? If you think we're going to be the hard hitting news, uh, financial news and, and deep dives and you miss all those things. You get halfway through it. And then, and then there's trivia. Yeah. I mean, I mean like how many, how many clues can we give you? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe apparently not enough for some people, maybe a few. And that's been funny over the years. I mean, people, we've had people write to us and say they wish that we, we'd not clown around so much. And so then you and I, and then you send them a picture back of like, (laughs) we, we go study comedy harder we work on our comedy writing then like we take online courses and, and uh, dive into better comedy, which is exactly the opposite of what that person wants us to do. Oh, you don't think the show's funny. So, okay, well, we got to get better at that instead Mm -hmm. of stop doing it. Not because it's, it's too serious. You know, I mean, this is important stuff, but it doesn't have to be all stuffy. If we were, you know how many shows there are out there with a couple of financial people talking very seriously about money? Middle-aged white dudes. 
about money. How many are those? (laughs) Clearly what there's a market for that. Yeah. Well, both listeners, there's people putting that out, but yeah, both listeners want to hear that, which is why, which is why we don't want to, well, that's there's people like take like Michael Kitsis, for example, I was just listening to show he was interviewed on the other day. He specifically, he's like, I want long form content. I want to go a mile deep on an idea. And Paula, you know, he's it's like, yeah, okay. Paula. I mean, everybody says you get a different Paula on our show than you get on Afford Anything. You do. Right. It's a it's a it's a whole different thing. But hey, we're about making ourselves laugh. So And hopefully you too. Hopefully, maybe. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning. Because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life, and best careers for military spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org slash celebrate, and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.